A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub-science here to make things make sense. Today we are talking about drinking and alcohol while drinking alcohol. We're going to look at what actually goes on in your body, what happens when you're hungover, and perhaps most importantly, whether or not there is such a thing as a healthy amount of alcohol to be consuming. So let's have a drink. Cheers! Welcome back to Side Note. I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. (laughs) That felt so fake to me. I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. Um, Hey, guys. (laughs) We actually have little drinks here because it's Friday night, and you know what happens in a pandy on Friday. Intoxication. Oh, wowie. Um, Yeah, no. Oh, my gosh. We've been drinking a lot of cider recently. Um, I'm not really sure why. I I think it's because there's just a place like really close to our home that we walked to yeah and it's so we're just lazy <laughs> sincerely walking distance <laughs> about 10 um, strides really yeah i i i like cider but i had to move off of beer because it it makes me feel sick even while i'm drinking it i fart all the time i don't need beer to make it like <laughs> double you know yeah, truly, though, there is no time in your life where I'm like, his gas isn't so bad. <laughs> okay, so it's like, is am I like, eating a lot of I don't things to expose you. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I do eat a lot of broccoli. Like, I know, I, but your body should be used to that. I know. <laughs> it's not like you're eating excessive amounts of broccoli. And when we did a, like, a microbiome test, like, I had a very diverse... Yeah, healthy looked, microbiome like a part of me was like am i sick but maybe you're right maybe it's so healthy that it's just like <laughs> breaking it all down and it comes out smelly but you know. well it is the bacteria in your gut microbiome that unleash the sulfur into your fart so maybe i just have such a diverse array that it's just like fart 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 schmell 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 <laughs> someone's definitely gonna diagnose you from this and be like <laughs> yeah. you need to go to a hospital yeah, immediately <laughs> honestly for all the doctors out there let me know because it's bad okay moving oh, on <laughs> my gosh um yeah how's it going otherwise um, I mean, I mean, I mean, good, good, good. <laughs> it's like there's literally nothing new. Like we just My eyes this. are wide open. Good, good. Everything's great. <laughs> How about you? Um, okay. My knee is weirdly in pain. We were just talking about off the pod how, um, as you age, I just read the book Brave New World again, and there's a part in it where they acknowledge that, like, as people age, you have all these body ailments, but you kind of deal with it by thinking that it's just like you're sick or you hurt, <laughs> you injured yourself or or that, you know, it's just temporary, but we have to slowly start realizing that it's just like that is your body now. <laughs> oh <my laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm like, I didn't really do anything to my knee in the last two days, so why is it hurting today? <laughs> That's where I'm at. Yeah, so for everyone out there, what you have to look forward to is pain. Pain, 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 then you die. You croak. Okay, I think we should get into <laughs> this is a weird intro. Okay, why don't we go into what we learned? Oh, what we 
did we learn this week? What did you learn, Greg? So I have been in a pandemic trying to start. You've been in a pandemic? <laughs> Guys, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I certainly have been in a pandemic. But the thing that I've been trying to do is like, you know, pet a tree, become one with nature. And I've started <laughs> to try. Tree. I've taken a birding course, starting to try and bird, got bird feeders set up to look out the windows. It is just, nice. It's cute. We yeah. have lots of birds in our backyard now that are like peaceful and just eating seeds lots of house sparrows not to be a pretentious birder but i'm like can we get some other things here we got about 27 <laughs> house sparrows taking all the seed um but i have been learning about high park near our house which is in toronto because that is sort of like this birding course is out of there and focusing on it and did you know that hairs female hairs can get impregnated even when they're pregnant so if a female hair we're is, talking like rabbits yes right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or i don't know is a hair and a rabbit the same but i more meant like I, my yeah that's true right? like, like not okay. h-i because we were talking H-I-I about birds I-I-I. and i was like do they have hair and no sorry i was picturing the hair. wildlife in high park um yeah so they they in late stage pregnancy can actually um you know receive sperm from a male hair mm-hmm. and then what happens is the embryo will hang out in the oviduct until the female gives birth at which point the uterus is then free and then the embryos move in. So there's Whoa. like, yeah, there, that is not possible. And it would be a second pregnancy almost immediately almost after Im- birth? Well, yeah, exactly. So the Whoa. actual embryos have another place in the oviduct that they stay and then they then move in. Wow. Yeah, and that obviously can't happen <laughs> in humans. <laughs> like, just so you know. <laughs> but it was like, a, it's an interesting sort of tidbit of information I learned about animals near our home. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I know. I feel like I want to get maybe more in the spring as the animals come back out, but I would also like to get into birding with you and get into just uh, understanding the local kind of animals. Because we talked about even our garden in our backyard and in front and trying to plant things that are useful to the creatures that are around and help support like the bee population or butterfly populations well, and stuff, right? Yeah, you there's the garden that we have is actually quite good for birds. So it's like right now all the seeds are out. It's really interesting to see I think the seeds are so beautiful and they obviously are food for a lot of birds. And also when I was in High Park this weekend and like trying to bird, there were so many of these huge red-tailed hawks that were like honestly so big and when you're looking for them they're there they're beautiful they're stunning but we saw a couple bird a couple you know a couple of like other tilly hat wearing birders when we were walking around <laughs> and they're all looking at them and they're like yeah these red-tailed hawks are always here uh it's just people don't look up and then we yeah i've, I've gone there so many times and i don't I, maybe i've seen one but i've definitely never really stopped to notice it to be honest and then you're standing there and you're actually like oh my god like i'm like do i tap everyone on the shoulder and go like look at that <laughs> like they're they're there you know what i mean it is it's even just a nice lesson like i'm on birding 101 <laughs> but it's a, a nice lesson to like stop and smell the flowers mm-hmm. stop and look up in a tree because there's obviously really interesting wildlife there we hope because we're in the sixth largest mass extinction let's move on oh wow <laughs> okay that's how we're gonna end that all right um greg this week i learned something about uh, actually, I'm not going to say exactly yet because I want to ask you a question. Okay, first. All right. If you had to pick one sense to lose, which would it be? Oh, I feel like I used to answer this so fast, but then I <laughs> forgot. It's slowly. It's like, is it your brain? No, I was like, is it taste? Yeah, it... no, you've got touch. You've got taste. You've got smell. You've got what else? Oh, it's smell. <laughs> you would choose smell. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Why? 
Um, because here, all I do is listen to music, and without it, I'm would be so sad. Like, I'm, I'm nothing. <laughs> so scared about getting tinnitus because I um, sight like it's really important for um, watching movies. birds. <laughs> birds. That's okay. what I meant. Well, watching I'll let movies. you know. Um, the vast majority of people choose smell. Okay. Interestingly, okay. so you're in you're you're in the crowd, but. Uh, a study was actually asking people about this and found that half of people under 30 say they would sacrifice their sense of smell rather than their favorite electronic device, which is obviously probably their phone. <laughs> oh, my God. And this study was done in 2011, so I can only imagine it's way higher now. But when I thought about the question, I was like, would I? Like, if you could never use a phone again or never have smell again. That honestly, it's like the phones were cyborgs are our new sense. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, like I, a, yeah. it's an interesting it's question. It's an extra sense. Like and it, imagine mm. asking as a Gen Z person this before you finish the question, they'd be like, I keep the phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'd be like, they'd be like, give up like any whatever it is. Um, I That's kind dark. of at first thought that I was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to give up my phone or I can understand why I'd feel attached to it. But the more I looked into it was like uh, your scent, scent? is approximately or up to 90% of your taste. So you would be losing mm. a lot. You wouldn't just be losing the ability to smell. You'd also be missing <laughs> out on your ability to taste, which is a huge part, I think, of, like, we're drinking right now. We were going to get some dinner tonight. Like, it's, you know, such an enjoyable part of life. such a regret. Like, someone would definitely be like, my phone, over smell. Then all of a sudden, they'd be like, everything tastes beige. <laughs> and, like, they would deal with therapy and depression, probably. Yeah. So wow. I had read that if you <laughs> if you close your eyes and plug your nose and eat a jelly bean, for example, you won't be able to tell which flavor it is. A birdie box never flavor your brain. <laughs> Obviously, if you had a different object, you'd know ahead of time. But at least with jelly beans, you you wouldn't know, you know, because they're all the same. So okay, our, is our brand ASAP Science? Uh, we should make a video. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Smell is very interesting. I was reading the uh, the book The Body, which I know you had partially read. As the, book, well. the, body. the book The Body. Where is Amazing. the body? That's what I had, this had first prompted it for me. Uh, and smells just really fascinating. Like, un not to say other senses are not as interesting or as intricate, but smell is so under-researched. They said that there's 350 plus odor receptors in your nose, but only half of them are common to everyone. So everyone also smells the world in a different way, has a unique experience. It's why some things smell can smell good to someone and actually smell bad to another. And around 2 to 5% of people have something called... A anosmia i don't actually say it which is a total loss of smell or hyposmia which is a partial loss of smell oh wow anosmia is what i'm gonna say were those the people who in this when the genie showed up they said i chose my phone over yeah, smell like, and took yeah, it from you yeah, exactly but <laughs> yeah um so would you after all this still choose to lose your smell sense of smell or would you choose your as someone who's on a quest to like become a naturalist, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna get rid of <laughs> my phone. <laughs> but I'd like deep down, like before bed, the dark thought is like, of course I'd give up my smile. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, every thing is ending with like, oh, because we're on a depressant. We're on a depressant right now. It's I mean, like, we've oh. had like two sips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, study time. Study time. Study time. Study time. All right, cheers. Cheers. So I'm like so scared to drop this over our electronics. <laughs> like it's my biggest. If favorite. at any point this just cuts out and ends <laughs> and you never hear from us ever again, it's because we spilled alcohol on all of our equipment. Yeah. And somehow we were never able to buy any other equipment ever again. <laughs> so when is the first time you got drunk? First time. I actually remember the first sip of alcohol. 
Ooh. I'm going to go through that first. So I remember as like a six-year-old or something in that age. Okay, range. your parents are getting pulled <laughs> into <laughs> No, I remember ha- like going across one of my dad's empty cases of beer bottles ah. and just like tipping one upside down and getting like probably mostly backwash which is probably why it was extra and warm like (laughs) but i was like ooh, i want to try this and i remember thinking it was utterly disgusting um i think beer is actually pretty gross until you it feels like an acquired taste do you agree yeah it actually tastes whenever i have a hip like like small batch beer i'm like this does taste like vomit (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, if I just close my eyes and I'm like, picture vomiting, I'm like, it actually tastes like stomach acid and like butyric acid. Yeah, sometimes acid. it tastes like cleaner, it's, like like a spray that you yeah, would use. I'm we had a really expensive beer recently and it fully tasted like, like If you bleach. thought this was something to clean your house, you would not want to drink Yeah, this. so for sure, it's gross. <laughs> but the first time I got drunk, I think I remember like in grade... Like nine. Oh, I have two <gasps> stories now. I, no, it was young. Yeah, I definitely uh, was Mitch, underage. you're a Catholic. No, I know, but I just remember like we used to go to like Natalie Ackerman's house. Like shout out, Natalie. I haven't spoken to you in like 15 <laughs> years, but and uh, we would just like have drinks and stuff, and it felt like so cool because I was never like really in a cool group of friends, so I like never actually went to parties. <laughs> Wait, so grade nine is when you first. I don't know. I don't wow. know. I think so. I have one other memory that might, might also be the first time, and that was around that same age, and it's because I went to a musical theater camp, but <laughs> I was the youngest, so at the end of the the like you know month and after the performances, everyone has like a big party, and so I remember them like giving me alcohol. And being, who? Like, like the other kids who would have been like 18. And oh, there were people, but that's not even still of age. There were people who could buy alcohol and give you alcohol. I don't know. Oh, it's a party, it not a bar. bar. It was, was a party. A bar. Yeah, no, I was oh, never at a bar. Okay, okay. But yeah, I don't have that many memories because I was a loser. <laughs> no, oh my God. Drinking alcohol does not, I mean, not drinking alcohol does not make you a loser. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant I was never in very many situations to have the ability yeah. because I wasn't really invited. It's like, honestly, in high school, I was a loser. I just drank more. I was just like, they're just like a drinking loser. What was your, do you remember your first time? I remember the first time that I got, like the first time I felt drunk and it was, I remember it was being drunk Okay, wait, no, I'm mixing two memories. But okay, I, I'm like, whoa, now I'm like, oh my God, I get like drunk all the time. <laughs> um, fascinatingly, as we'll get into what it does to you, makes you forget what you're doing when you're on it. But I do remember the first time I got drunk on a 40, like, you know, those like big things of beer. So yeah. in where I grew up in Toronto, it was, what you would do is you would call a number and this person, like a variety of people, you'd have different numbers would like filter around the high school. And these adults would come to wherever you were usually like a park or a school you'd get into the car and they drive how you around old? so it wasn't suspicious grade 10 sorry how old were these adults um who were they 34 like it was a business like we, weirdly we had something similar but yes. it wasn't like an adult it was like a <laughs> all, young... our, all our cop and rcmp <laughs> listeners are like oh excuse me tap 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 what is happening here it probably still market. happens yeah i'm sure and i'm not gonna drag any of them because they they made my high school great but <laughs> you would drive around which was like always two friends would go in and like if you were the friend that night it was like you were taking one for the team the courage it took oh you would drive around so it wasn't suspicious and you would pay them and like it was always very smart as young people you're like i you know, you're not going to buy like a nice like oak aged whiskey because you're like, it's like, you're just like a, 
It's I like know. that's how high class it is. <laughs> yeah. They're like, like you're a 65 year old <laughs> adult who has like a really developed taste for yeah. wine and He's whiskey. like the notes on this one are actually great 16 year old yeah, or you're whatever. Like, oh, wow you learned yeah. so much at that age because of the truck but 40s were a very practical way to get drunk it was like high amounts of alcohol it was like one thing of beer it was like you each would get your one and i remember the first time that i kind of like drank maybe half of one or maybe three quarters because and i just like could see the bathroom door and my friend daniel petrie's like basement and walking towards it confidently and slowly just like going sideways and just like slamming into the wall beside <laughs> the door and being like oh my god i'm on a roller coaster like this is exactly what uh-huh. the effects of this are like i'm fully like i have no like spatial awareness mm-hmm. and then the other one i just remember i was like early on stoned and drunk double whammo Classy. we have a video about that <laughs> if you want to know And my dad was driving us to like a semi dance in high school and the car ride was so fun. Like he was playing music and I just remember being like, like genuinely being like, this is so fun, but knew I had to like not appear (laughs) drunk. So I was just like staring out the window, like, like, like silently while like truly feeling like I was partying so hard. Like Usher was playing. My dad was like going up and down a hill and like he's. I don't want him to know that I'm having any fun at all. So I'm just like having the time of my life while like looking at him. Like I hate this drive. Uh, And then the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. Then it became part of your life. It really is like a rite of passage in some ways. I do remember. I want you to tell me about getting drunk and the science behind it. I remember very strongly. And I'm sure many of our younger listeners in university and whatnot do this as well. But there is most of your young life buying alcohol is a math equation and it is what will get me drunk fast for the cheapest. Oh, yeah. Old Milwaukee. <laughs> As you age, you start to go like, I actually wouldn't mind it tasting OK. And I actually wouldn't mind having just one or two. But I, it was such a thing to kind of like actually calculate the alcohol content versus the price of it. <laughs> oh, God, I would go to the LCBO, which is where you buy alcohol in Ontario and wouldn't even look at the packaging. I would go price. Then I would go pick it up, look at the percentage alcohol, and then just like buy the like inanimate substance. Like it wouldn't, it would not. And it was always, it ended up being old Milwaukee um, beer, which is high percentage alcohol. Oh, and tall cans. So cheap. Yeah, it was, it was so cheap. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us a little science? A little background around what happened to your 16 year old self (laughs) when you got that old Milwaukee flowing. (laughs) So it gets, alcohol gets absorbed in your stomach predominantly which i find is like really interesting and it makes sense as to why it happens really fast like obviously your gi tract is from your mouth all the way to your anus Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does get absorbed in your uh stomach where the molecule always goes this is something all listeners should know everything you absorb in your gi tract goes straight to the liver Mm -hmm. and the liver is a really important organ because it um metabolizes things it breaks things down but also decides okay girl you toxic you leaving (laughs) so like it's like very that's the reason it all goes there first because essentially it's deciding like is this good Mm -hmm. is this not good and in the liver it kind of is like okay this is okay you're allowed into the bloodstream and then it heads to your brain and your central nervous system (laughs) and honestly the more and more we've always sort of learned about alcohol, but after a good solid lesson in alcohol, you don't want to drink it. It's like so bad, (laughs) but there's neuro there's, um, neurotrans. It's so funny because one of the things it does is make your cognitive abilities decline. We're going to not be able to talk by the end of this, but (laughs) your neurotransmitters, uh, that flow throughout your body are very important. And there's glutamate and there's also GABA and glutamate is an excitatory neurotransmitter that acts on excitatory neurons 
Uh, whereas GABA is the opposite. It's an inhibitory neurotransmitter that, that, oh my gosh, affects inhibitory neurons. Mm -hmm. And alcohol decreases glutamate. So it doesn't cause excitatory neurons to fire per se is a way of thinking about it. It actually inhibits your neurons. And that is where you hear about it being a depressant. Yeah, because I feel like a, uh, quite a few people, that sounds like I'm talking about specific people. I mean, generally people are like, it's a depressant. And, and the image is that it makes you depressed, which is not exactly what, or no. not at all really what that, what that saying means. Like alcohol doesn't, in fact, lots of people are happy when they're drinking. Yeah, because it actually makes you perceive less. It makes you feel less. It makes so you notice less. Your yes. neuronal activity, exactly. not, not your emotions necessarily. Exactly, and that um, makes things simpler. And that's where that high, that's where that fun, that's where that this is the best night ever. <laughs> because it's like it's like no longer is life this complex array of like excitation, excitation, excited. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> a How girl, much have you drank? I'm chugging like it. <laughs> no longer is it like excitement. And it's, it's very simple. And we simple things can feel beautiful. They can feel like profound. You're actually thinking about a lot less more simply. It's why mm. you have an idea and you repeat it. You're like, oh my God. God, mind-blowing. But guys, mm. have you ever thought about how when you pee, you pee? Or like something <laughs> like that. And everyone like maybe is on the same wavelength because they're drunk with you. And they're like, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's like and it's it, simplifying. It, it kind of, because you're actually taking in less, your brain and body are often less aware of your surroundings. It's why obviously so many things are more dangerous when you're inebriated under the influence of alcohol because <laughs> exactly. you actually have slower reaction times, but you're also like not paying attention to things. You're just really hyper-focusing or, or I don't know if hyper-focusing is the right word. That is probably the wrong word. It's like you're, you're, just, you're not, you're not actually yeah, taking in enough information <laughs> to make good decisions. <laughs> you perceive less. So it's like, maybe that's why you shouldn't drive. Like, <laughs> But it's interesting because it is this... Uh, when you understand the neurophysiology of it, it's it's fascinating. I encourage people, you know, to actually just get a science degree because you learn about this and it's really fun. Wait, it, did you just say I actually encourage people to just get a science degree? Because <laughs> didn't you find in your science degree, like in biochemistry, it's like they really lean into teaching you about getting yeah. drunk because especially university mm -hmm. students, everyone's like, You're well, relate. what's happening relatable. tonight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hashtag relatable. Um, but true. it is really complex is what I'm saying. But it's like it. It's it's fascinating and it, it kind of is counterintuitive because you're like, oh, wait, I'm turning things off. Why is it so fun? It's so mm -hmm. fun because <laughs> things are more simple and you're turning things off. But I also want to talk about our favorite thing in the world, which is to talk about ADH, antidiuretic hormone, and why mm. it makes you pee so freaking much. Yes. So your ADH, antidiuretic hormone, is released in your pituitary gland and it acts on your kidneys. It does a variety of things, but in your kidneys, it will create things called aquaporins, which will allow your kidney to reabsorb water into your body. So ADH is a hormone that helps you. Like if you're drinking lots of water, it will create more aquaporins. Essentially, they're like little straws in your kidney that will bring water into your body to keep it. So as opposed to pee it out. Exactly. And alcohol binds directly to the ADH hormone, essentially causing it to not create the aquaporins. So when you're drinking alcohol, what's happening is you're just peeing more. Your body, your kidneys are no longer reabsorbing that water. You're peeing it all out. So you're peeing out 
um, potassium, you're peeing out more sugars. And these are the parts of the reasons why you're dehydrated and parts of the reasons why you end up with a hangover. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's a fun thing to know because sometimes people will drink and they'll be like, I'm peeing more. Or like you really have to take into consideration the fact that you're going to pee more if you're consuming alcohol ever into your body. You know what I want to do? I've always wanted to do a video on this. It doesn't have to be related to alcohol, but for sure, we pee different amounts it, when we drink the same things. I Me think. and you? Yeah, but I have like a weirdly overactive bladder and I feel like you have a weirdly under... Not that you have an underactive bladder or I have an over one, but like I've noticed that I feel... And maybe this is just like this weird anecdotal feeling, but I get the sense that I pee so much more than you. I know. And it's so weird because I dump so much more than you. Like I dump like seven times <laughs> a day and poo? you do. Yeah. And you do one. <laughs> Mitch says poo funny. Say it. Poo. He's like poo. It's like poo bear to poo. Poo. Yeah, poo. Um, poo. No, I'm kidding. I don't dump more than you or maybe I do. But we, I really feel that that's true. I have thought and clocked it up to the fact that I sweat more than you. I think, I think you also have maybe a higher metabolism or your your central core is always warm and your extremities are often cold. Like yeah. at night, you are like a little extra heater in the bed. Whereas I feel like I'm not in that same way and many other people. Like I've just always noticed that your body is always so warm and that you, not that you're sweating. Although when we met, okay, something changed with you in university when we met and we first started sleeping in the same bed together. Oh yeah. By the way, we're gay and in a relationship. No one seems to know this. We're starting to say this more and more and people are like, you're gay and in a relationship. We're like, what the fuck? I I sound like the honey badger. Okay. Continue. Um, I think I don't think the question was are they gay? I think it's are they together? I oh yeah, it actually, it's like that, that we one gay. with the hat's gay, and that's his straight brother or something. Um, Greg in university, so we would just start like spending the night together. I'd wake up in a puddle every single morning. <laughs> this is too much information. Oh god, no! I, he didn't pee. I used to. I used so to think I wet the bed. And I would be like, when I first met you, I was like, did he pee the bed? I, I used to think I peed the bed myself <laughs> after a drunken night. But that went away. You must have had something going on in university. You know what's really interesting? I think it might have to do with this episode, which is that... You were drinking so much? Alcohol causes you to sweat throughout night. the night. Think of how often we were hanging out after a night of like drinking. Yeah, fair. I had, I honestly have thought that when I was literally doing research for this in the upcoming video, you I was thinking like, about sweating. Like I was thinking about how I was binge drinking in university, <laughs> and that's when we would probably spend time you together. You drank so much in university, didn't you? I was still kind of a loser in university too. It's maybe not in like the later years. You know, I had my glow up a little bit and had some like friends. But <laughs> I love how you're conflating getting drunk with being cool. I'm like, I wasn't cool. I was just I drunk. I don't mean that drinking makes you cool. I just mean <laughs> often to be cool means you're invited to social situations yeah. where there happens to be alcohol or it's like there you're are not lots a- of cool people who would get invited to those parties and didn't necessarily drink as much or you weren't invited to the party then you get drunk with your friends and have the confidence to just show up at said party <laughs> like, oh that's what you were doing <laughs> no i'm just like i think that i definitely um drank a lot in university and was around people who partied like i had a i feel like i had a really great amazing time in university with fun friends that created a routine around going out like thursday friday saturday sure whereas i feel like knowing you like 
Yeah, the, yeah. The, it was Even like a friend still, group lots thing. of my friends will drink, but it's very way more casual. Way more like we're gonna have a couple of drinks tonight and no one's really gonna be that drunk. Yeah, and then when I show up with your friends, they'd be like, So who that bullshot? And they love it. It is exciting to have someone with your energy around. But then it's always like you can tell the point where they're like, We actually don't want to keep drinking. Maybe my friends are more neurotic and more like anxious and we don't love losing control. I actually do I I really like being drunk i don't is that okay to say? really is that interesting is, is that interesting is that <laughs> sincerely i do but oh. i so hate being hung over that it makes it almost not worth it okay because that's oh my god it's, it's such a good segue into another scientific <laughs> fact but i'm just gonna have to derail for one second i always assumed i i really feel like our personalities are so different in so many ways Mm -hmm. and i don't like i I think this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I, I love losing control. Like, I love the idea of, like, taking a substance to lose control. And I always kind of thought maybe you didn't. Like, that you didn't like the getting drunk. But you're saying, no, it's just the hangover. I genuinely oh, yeah, would have just yeah. said that about you. I mean, you. sorry. I Obviously, these things go a little deeper than that. So, I don't consciously not like losing control. But, obviously, there might be limits that subconsciously maybe I... You know, if I get too drunk, I don't want to feel like I have to throw up, even like on the oh, night God. No, I don't no, want to. No. I've definitely been drunk enough that I've spun so much and like couldn't <sighs> lay down or sleep. Like Ew. even when that's all you want to do is lay down because you're too dizzy. It's like I don't want that, you know. So that if that's losing control, yeah, I don't want to lose control. But in terms of like being more fun <laughs> <laughs> or feeling more confident and feeling less insecure. I, I definitely enjoy drinking in that sense. Okay, I didn't mean like, oh, I love to get the spins involved. No, I know you didn't, <laughs> but I'm saying I don't I don't think I don't like losing control, but maybe there is like a more subconscious part of me that doesn't like losing control. So okay, now we're just it's therapy time with Greg and Ned. Because what I notice is is with you, it's like a preemptive fear, I think. Again, you can obviously correct me, but it's like 
when it, drinking is going to make you lose your inhibition. So sometimes before you drink, you think, I don't want to be in a setting where I'm not in control. Like, I like, think you might be conflating uh, alcohol and weed. So with weed, I get a lot more anxious and hmm. have things happen to my body that are. So, for example, during this election, one night I was like on an edible and started watching election co coverage and I obviously that's anxiety inducing, but it pushed me to a level that was like panic attack. Oh, God, even yeah. though nothing really that serious was happening. So for me, I know if I'm stoned, for example, there's a greater chance that I can be pushed into a zone and have no like no control. That's so interesting because it's like we just learned that what this is doing is actually causing the excitatory uh, more anxious involved neurons in your body to turn off. Totally. That's so why alcohol go. as ah. a drug, I've never felt I, it's mostly been associated with like feeling crappy, feeling hungover, yeah. but the actual process I enjoy. And if, if I didn't get hangovers, I would probably, it would not be good probably because I would do huh. it a lot more, but okay. Well, there you go. But let's talk about hangovers then because that is like a really important part of all of this. I think you're right. Didn't we just talk about hangovers. <laughs> what do you mean? We've been talking about hangovers, haven't we? Or you mean like specifically the science? Yeah, the science. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. sorry. I didn't mean that to be shady. I was like, haven't we been talking no, about No, no, I meant the science of hangovers. Okay, yeah. Okay, tell me about it. Well, one thing I want to say that... <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me Wait, about what's it, that stud. Oh, stud. Okay, yeah. I was like, what is that? What, do you know what it's from? <laughs> <laughs> what's that from? I literally, like, like I, the, the way you pointed at me, is, did you know that from? I what's Honestly, I panicked. And like the alcohol with my neurons, my body was like, Stop exciting. What's it from? What's it from? Grease. Oh, you got it. Oh, okay. Thank hey, the Lord of I haven't seen any movie. Um... So I just want to say this before we get into actual physiology. Five to twenty-three percent of the population is hangover resistant. That isn't that so is annoying. A superpower. And we okay, our friend Fabio oh, Bondi. Oh, Fabio! Literally, I, probably not. He's always like, he's always like, <laughs> oh, I don't get hungover, and I'm always like, shut the fuck. Yeah, it's like, like you're lying. Like I'm gonna you... punch you in the face. Like you're <laughs> lying. You're lying through your teeth. Like it's so frustrating. And then I read all. I read this study, and I read like some I people went deep. My on this cousin stat. says that too. She'll be like, I've never been hungover. I. She'll be like. I've been tired, yeah, because if you go to bed at like 3 a.m. and wake up at 7, of course I'm tired. But she was like, I don't know what it really means to be hungover. I'm like, that, I've always thought that was a lie. Me too. <laughs> and it's, okay, it's it's a spectrum. Like, I went deep on this information. So obviously, if you excessively drink to a certain point, like, everyone's sure. going to, it's a, yeah. it's a, you can't avoid it, yeah. Yeah, it's a continuum. Like, you, you fall on the spectrum of this, but some people really are more resistant. And so when it comes uh, to hangovers, what's happening is that ethanol is absorbed in your stomach, goes to your liver, liver alcohol is turned into acetaldehyde. This is like, this is a pathway for all you little STEM majors out there. We all know about this one. <laughs> so acetaldehyde is then with an enzyme called glutathione turned into acetate. And then acetate is what is easily excreted by your body. Okay. So glutathione is this enzyme that's in your liver. That's essentially like, oh, here comes the alcohol. Oh, God. Okay. Got to get the work. And like making acetate, acetate, acetate. But what happens is there's a finite amount of glutathione. So the more you mm. drink, it can't turn all this acetaldehyde into acetate. Like it's Instantly. essentially like it's overwhelmed. Go the process. Yeah. Okay. And so acetaldehyde, that is 10 to 30 times more toxic than alcohol. That is what makes you feel hungover. Mm. It makes you feel nauseous. It's just like this horrible substance that you don't <laughs> want in your body and your liver's trying to get out. But if you drink too much, it's like, girl, we cannot keep up with this, what you're drinking. <laughs> 
And so there's they, a lot of genetics around uh, this like enzyme, glutathione. That down. Yes. And so East Asian people have different genes and they have they have a buildup of acetaldehyde when they drink. Partly to do with a gene that codes for this enzyme, enzyme glutathione and other reasons. So that is one of the reasons why East Asian people get more hungover sure. than other populations. And hey, I'm like a big part South Asian and 10% East Asian, according to my 23 me. There so you maybe, go. Maybe that's related. There you go. So it's like there. there's a genetic component to this you know, five to 23% of people who are immune to hungover. hangover. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to say before we get into your study is that I turn red when I drink mm-hmm. uh, and so do uh, East Asian people and so do indigenous American people. So do Irish people. So do British people. I'll throw myself in Irish and British. Cause like, look <laughs> at me like seriously mayonnaise in my blood. But the reason why indigenous Americans, Irish and British people get red in their face is due to histamines that actually cause vasodilation of blood vessels in the face. Whereas when East Asian people turn red in the face from drinking, it's due to an increase in acetaldehyde. So the, that thing that is related to being like, hungover. that gets broken down into acetate. Yes. Oh. So my point is I used to think that, that the, the reason thing. I got red in the face was was the same reason that an East Asian person would get red right. in the face. Oh. But they've actually found out it's different chemical pathways caused by alcohol and that Irish, British, and indigenous <laughs> Irish, British, and indigenous <laughs> Americans, it's this different physiological pathway that has to do with bl- blood vessels being controlled by histamines in your blood. Yeah. Hey, okay. and histamines are related to like allergies and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Like antihistamines is what you would take when you're taking an allergy pill. For sure. That's I'm like interesting. allergic to alcohol. <laughs> well, I don't want to be shady to white people. And I actually think your red face is very endearing. And maybe that's because you Oh, that is so nice. I fucking hate it. <laughs> no, I think that it's probably embarrassing to you because it reveals so much intimately about you that you can't control. So talk about like not, Whoa, therapy <laughs> crack me open. No, like an talk egg. about, you know, not wanting to lose control. I think your face doesn't allow you to choose that always yeah, because I hate it. it really brightens. And I actually, I think people find it an endear. Well, trait. blushing is, is an evolutionary trait to show vulnerability. And so it's like it, people maybe like, you I, yeah, you can't deceive people. I'm you. literally stuttering. Like, I'm like, I can't, <laughs> People like do technically find it endearing, but as someone who blushes, who is trying to be like, I'm okay, I'm okay. Like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> oh my God. And it's just like, think about partying. Everyone's like dancing and everyone like looks hot and you look over at me and I'm like a fucking tomato and like so right wedding. Uh, well, because of the like histamines. Because you brought up blushing. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Um, uh, I just realized So I'm finished my drink And I think part of me peeing more Might just be I actually drink really fast Yeah when I saw that I was like okay He has a Because problem. I No Any any liquid that's put in front of me I just enjoy sipping I love when something tastes yummy And so I think that might be part of my problem Is I drink more than I realize And drink faster than I realize And so for me It probably is useful to have drinks That are low alcohol Because I'm such a sipper uh, you know what I mean? I'm a big a, sipper. I categorize myself as a sipper. <laughs> if I had to say one thing that I am. Um, okay. Uh, any other thoughts about drinking before I go into my study? No, just that I um, haven't been binge drinking in a long time, but definitely when I do, like, I go crazy. <laughs> cool. Moving on. That great. Yeah. Makes me go all crazy. Actually, that's true. I don't think we've like been very drunk in a very long time. 
I know. Since and the pandemic. At because, least. like, in this pandemic, I've definitely had drinks, but I have not been drunk. No, and like, we. I mean, I've been drunk. You know we're what? We're I mean. gay, okay? <laughs> like, we are gay. Okay, that's another thing to look into is like, gay men party. And exactly. I don't feel like I'm missing those jeans, but our friends party so, so hard. <laughs> and like, I think that's part of it is it's like, as gay, as defined as, as a gay. definition, <laughs> duh, as queer, as a fagoot, some might say, like, there's such a party culture that like when we go out to bars, I'm like, I'm like, I would love to say maybe it's just our friends, but then you look around, everyone's doing this, buying drinks. Oh, who's around a drink? Like you don't even really keep up with it. And by the time you get home, like, I don't even want to say how many drinks are like maybe consumed at a night out at a bar. Like it's a lot. And so without that pressure or that fun sort of like camaraderie of drinking that the bar atmosphere brings to a guy, a gay, a quar, <laughs> like us, I just think for the first time in yeah. our lives, we've we not been, been binge drinking because I'm like, I don't have... I mean, it may also just be, even for straight people, like we just haven't really <laughs> seen our friends in like a... We've seen some of them on walks or, you know, outside, <laughs> but we haven't been to a party in a year. But I just think straight people, it's like when you hang out with gay people, it's like, oh, they're on GHB. Like literally they're on horse tranquilizer. <laughs> oh like I, I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be like homophobic. Like I'll educate the masses. Like <laughs> it's just like we have a different culture. It's involved around like partying it's involved around drugs and alcohol for a variety of reasons coping mechanisms we not were raised with shame not for everyone but, but there's also nothing sure. wrong with this like oh, i don't think there's so. no i don't like any shame about yeah yeah really any oh, again about we shamed our whole freaking lives for being gay but yeah i'm it's just whatever i'm just stating the obvious i'm in this community i can say it <laughs> us guys know how to party and so i think i've just been less drunk uh because of that reason <laughs> wow okay well on that note, my segue will be, <laughs> is there any amount of alcohol that is either good for you or okay? Because there's been a lot of, you know, buzzy headlines around, you know, a glass of wine or two glasses of wine a night is actually good for you because of heart issues or all, all sorts of different things in studies that have sort of claimed or headlines that have claimed that there are benefits if you so, want to get clickety clickety clacks mm -hmm. on it's like the internet chocolate cures cancer yeah alcohol's good for oh you oh my god randomly mcdonald's fries mm, good for your <laughs> arteries duh you're gonna click and so yes. it's informed by that a lot so I, I looked into this a little bit and i had heard this a couple of years ago there was a study that looked at studies over the course of 26 years to find out the associations between drinking and health and like a meta-analysis? Yeah, it was a meta-analysis, and it basically concluded that no amount of alcohol is good for you. <laughs> to clarify, any amount of alcohol <laughs> is not good for your health. But there are some cl clarifications and caveats that I'm going to give you now. So, in this study they found, so this study ended in 2016, so it's a little bit older now, but... Trump was elected. They were done. Yeah. They're like, we got to finish this shit because everyone's going to start drinking so much more and we just like can't, can't factor that in. Alcohol was the leading risk factor for disease and premature death in men and women between the ages of 15 and 49. Oh, Lord. Above Isn't that crazy? On our so obviously, as you age, different diseases and factors come into play. But if you were between 15 and 49, the leading factor for disease and premature death, alcohol. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And like that this <sighs> substance is just like everywhere. It's in everywhere. nearly every culture. 
But that's part of the reason why, right? Because, like, culturally, it's, it's become acceptable. so normalized. Yeah. But it is weird that we all just, like, go and, like, drink these vials of chemicals, like, on the weekend. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you want some well, chemicals even, with your turkey? You know, squirrels and stuff eat fermented fruits and get drunk and love it. So, I guess it's just... I like, don't know if they love it. I think they're like, maybe, whoops, that uh, one was <laughs> fermented. Let's go to the other ones. Because You know what I mean? I thought... I thought I, don't, I can't say this for sure, but I thought there's been things to show that they, they will choose okay. that. If if there's any of the squirrels out there listening to this podcast, we'd love to have you on to <laughs> send a question. In a little fan mail. Yeah. Send in we'd love to have a know. squirrel on this podcast. <laughs> um, so alcohol accounted for nearly one in ten deaths in this over the twenty six year period. That doesn't mean like people died while drinking. It just meant it was associated with that's ten, even worse deaths. because they're, they're talking about the health implications. So that could also probably include, you know, accidents caused by alcohol on people who were not drinking at all. Yeah. Right. So they're looking at the general health of society. It's and the impact truly of a parasite. In 2016 alone, 2.8 million people died <gasps> due to alcohol associations in, in 2016, the one year in one year. Uh, and so, oh this okay here's a couple caveats so like <laughs> even small amounts in this study were co correlated with health loss globally so they were kind of saying yeah like the one glass a day of wine two glass a day of wine that's kind of a myth so there are studies to show that having small amounts of alcohol can benefit you in certain ways so they found that there are some heart benefits and circulatory health benefits from modest drinking and that's true that's not oh. untrue but what the studies found is that the the risks and the pitfalls of drinking oh, far right. outweigh yeah, those true. so it's not to say that those other studies are wrong it's just they get you know extrapolated and blown up in the yeah. media yeah that's so but true. overall on society alcohol alcohol is like a way bigger detrimental effect than would be seen by the benefits to your circulatory health you know oh what my I mean? God. of course yeah now two final things this study was very clear that they weren't condoning like alcohol abstinence that wasn't necessarily the answer because alcohol comes with benefits it's enjoyable it makes people relax it makes people have fun and so it wasn't just a matter of like just getting rid of alcohol like yeah. that's not necessarily a solution um and they kind of compared it to driving they were like there technically is no safe level of driving a car because huh. if you're in a car, your risk of dying is yeah. higher than if you're not. But of course, governments don't ban driving in cars because it's a part of society. It has other benefits that we deem are useful. And so that was sort of their analogy of alcohol. They're like, we're not trying to say you shouldn't be drinking, but governments should understand that it's a net loss. It's a net, net like negative in some ways, but it's a part of society that maybe we should just be aware about. Yeah, and that's interesting. The final kind of like interesting tidbit was that in this study, they mapped alcohol consumption over the globe and they found that it was reverse correlated to your distance from the equator. So the farther away from you are what? from the equator, the more likely you are to drink more. Are you serious? Yeah, so it makes sense that in colder climates that people are like drinking a lot more. Now, however, what? one big caveat is that um, like Islamic nations exist more likely near the equator, which tend like do not drink. And so that wow. may be creating this bias. But I think they said even outside of that bias, it was still accounted for. Oh, further my God. The away from the equator, the more you drink. I mean, <laughs> considering the sun's down right now and it's 430 <laughs> and we're drinking, it's like, is it a coping? Because... 
what I was just thinking, <laughs> I, I, the alcohol's kicking in. My one drink, we have a low tolerance. Like it is working. Like actually, I've had one drink and I yeah, haven't drank in a while. I'm honestly so I'm like, like, I'm tipsy. Put on Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm gonna freaking dance. But. Um, I'm also like, going to like burst my bladder. Yeah, I'm literally going to urinate all over this. <laughs> That's why this is going to eventually <laughs> shut off. Not because we spill, because we pee all over it. But I had this moment just like <clears throat> while you were talking where I was like, this feels so good. <laughs> and it is genuinely the physiology of things turning off. Things becoming mm. more simple. You were talking mm. and I immediately was taken into like a cab. Like, you know, when you're coming home from the bar and you're in a cab and you're drunk. And maybe you go on your phone to text your friends about your night. It, things are so simple. You're going home. Mm-hmm. You're texting with your friends about your amazing night. That's it. You're not thinking about what you're doing the next day. You're not thinking. There's no anxiety. <laughs> that I was just like, that is why people drink. Like, like, I know that's like. like <laughs> drinking is meditation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Kick it canceled. <laughs> but but like that that equator thing again I'm just conflating like this is all confirmation bias and not a real thing but there is a there's a coping mechanism like we're going into winter I'm already I always get really bad the squirrels are eating as many nuts as they possibly can (laughs) we're gonna drink as much as we can (laughs) yeah we're doing our part we're like (laughs) we're chugging our alcohol but no it's like it's a it is it is a time of coping it is Mm -hmm. you figure out what you're gonna do I get seasonal affective disorder this is why I'm burning this is why like between the hours when the sun's out I'm outside putting my face to the sun being like please like make me feel something so that's interesting because I think it does help you cope with you know hard parts of life which is not necessarily a good thing in fact i would say it's probably not but i think it's also important to not have so much judgment around how people figure out how to cope with their lives and i think you know when you can tell when things are becoming negative and that's not for us yeah there's yeah of course there's limits and there's times when it maybe gets too bad but i think i think most people consume alcohol in a pretty healthy yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a healthy reason maybe not why. the right word, but it's just like, it's part of society. And at least we have programs and we have education and we have, whether it's commercials or just like teaching kids, I think it does get integrated. Like, and maybe not always in the best way. It's like scare tactics when you're young about alcohol and drinking, but it should, it is part of society and we need to learn how well, to And I think it is it. okay to have the scare tactics because usually it's around I don't. drink. Okay, well, I'm about to say something. You're gonna be like, I oh. definitely no. Usually, it's about drinking and driving. Oh, and oh, sure. And yeah. drinking and doing things that put yourself and others in danger. In which case, I think those scare tactics work. I think that they're good. and fair. To be honest, I think the inappropriate scare tactics come from other drugs. Like they don't often scare tactic you for drinking, except when it's associated to something like driving. Yeah, and it's but like, girl, they do have not those programs that come into schools about like weed and stuff when you're young, and they're telling you these horror stories. And yeah, like, okay, that's a little like weird and they're well and they're not the maybe saying guns. it about alcohol you know what i mean it's like well actually right. alcohol is the one that we should be probably learning a lot more about because i know that's mm-hmm. the one i'm most probably accessible. gonna do yeah. yeah like 15 year old us is like getting alcohol from old men like whatever yeah <laughs> but the, the one thing i'd say is that when it comes to driving or any of these really big societal issues there's uh, i think there's a black and white to that argument which is that Alcohol, if you're using it in whatever way to like cope with whatever, to have fun with your friends, you cannot get behind the wheel of a car. Like it's just, it's, it's so dangerous and it does driving. We now know is dangerous. Drinking. We now know is dangerous. Putting them together is like really bad. And so, yeah, I would just say like, I'm glad I was taking that cab home from the bar in my memory and not driving. (laughs) But I do think I don't like to shame 
people's ability to cope with really the world that we're living in. Yeah. We're all going to die. Especially right now, it will be an interesting winter, especially for the Northern Hemisphere. Hopefully, people will remain mentally healthy and stable and like whether alcohol is part of that experience for you, I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just saying like we're even going to find out ourselves. Like what is our winter going to look like? As it's actually uncomfortable outside our door. And, and we're not going and, outside. And literally, it's already so dark right now outside our window. And it's really early. So so what are weird. let's end with that. What are some things that you can say into this microphone for people to listen to as someone in the Northern Hemisphere about to go into winter, freezing cold, Canada? Do you have any strategies for how you're going to cope? So I would say I typically hate winter in that like that's always been part of me i i know i love the summer i'd love to sit in the sun by a pool by a beach whatever and i know a lot of people can relate to that winter i've always dreaded and it's just been this idea of get through it whatever but since knowing you and since like the last you know five years of our life we started skiing like cross-country skiing and now that is at least genuinely an activity that i'm like I'm excited to do. I can't do it any other time of year. Hopefully it snows. And it, like now I, the problem is that I just hate be, when it's cold and there's no snow. But I think it is just trying to find those kinds of activities that you can not necessarily force yourself to like. Like I did genuinely like getting into skiing, but now it's become an activity that's been like, okay, there's like this fun thing that I can only do in the winter. Even if I still don't love the cold, I can make a tradition out of this. And I don't have a lot of other ones, to be honest, but maybe it's time to make more traditions like that. Mm-hmm. I do love going to a winter cottage, which is very Canadian, I think. Not lots of countries do like cottages where people like go to a cabin and just like sit. I, I, maybe Americans. Just like make. sit? No, <laughs> I mean like I know the word cottaging is like sometimes a word that... It actually resonate. means having sex in a park in Britain. There's like a gay so. term for it. Yeah, <laughs> but I just... My friends and I, my one friend has a cottage and we go up in the winter and I just like love that because you're so cozy. We have like a nice fire or inside and all that kind of thing. What about you? Um, Yeah, I think cross-country skiing is... <laughs> just like repeat the thing as I panic. <laughs> okay, no, yeah, I you're gonna wh- bird. No, are they all gonna be what I tarper? think? <laughs> like one thing that I guess I've taken away from like this fall and like reading again. I know I've like my way of coping has been to literally read books. Just looking up birds, like sorry, <laughs> looking up. <laughs> I'm drunk. Looking up books about like essayists or or people about nature has been how I've been coping. And one thing that. I've taken away is that a lot of people assume that spring is this like beautiful regenerative time where like the birds are coming back, like the buds are flowering and we're about to see this very like visceral like growth. And like, we did it, we made it through. And a lot of these poets and people that I'm reading are very, they have poet energy. So they're kind of dark, you know, they're like solemn and they're really obsessed with this time right now, November, December, things are dark. And it's like, they're talking about like the camaraderie and the beauty of like winter is a fact. Like us going into winter and to watch, watching the trees lose their leaves in order to cope with like the wind or watching literally the birds eat this, these beautiful like berries that have been created by the plants to cope with winter made me be like, this is spring. Like Mm -hmm. we're watching nature go through a transition and it's made me more inspired to go outside. I've I've been like obsessed with berries, just like looking at people's gardens right now. I'm like, this is stunning because this is science. This is like, Mm -hmm. this is like 
yeah, okay, a flower is like pretty. Yeah. But it's actually like yeah, less. Even seeing an empty tree, there's so much going on behind the scenes that is really fascinating and interesting. Exactly. And actually, the even one of the things that I like, I. I think maybe it was annoying too, but I, like you were like, oh, the the trees are di- the leaves are. I'm like, they're not dying. Like you know what I mean? The yeah. trees are coping. Like Fair. they're not dying. Like that tree is still alive. It's just like it knows winter's coming. So I think that's something because I I agree. I've always been like, okay, and I know I get seasonal affective disorder, so like I'm gonna be sad regardless. <laughs> but I've always sort of been like, okay, I have to make it to spring, and now I'm like, no, this is spring. Like winter is a beautiful, mm-hmm. fascinating time. Some animals are hibernating some are doing the half hibernation so we're still going to see the squirrels like just like okay let's get out there and enjoy it as if it's spring because it's also going to go away as is everything and i think that's just like my coping mechanism it's like an intellectual yeah, shit and we'll amazing. see what happens it's like, just like knows? all we need now is like what to think about in january and february <laughs> exactly and <laughs> when i think it's also actually painful outside yeah and it's so dark and it's really cold and it's slushy and yeah that will be the true test but i think that's one thing i've loved about this pandemic is like i'm not as distracted with like truly life (laughs) like life has been sucked out so i've been able to like i don't know think of these things i think without the pandemic i wouldn't have the intellectual capacity to like do that type of like thinking so Mm. we'll see if it works Anyways, okay. let's want to have another one? <laughs> okay. Another drink? Yeah, it's Friday night, girl. That's when we record our podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it about alcohol, right? Yeah, no. There, I mean... Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. We're going to continue to do episodes about this because it's fascinating. There's so much more research we can do. Yeah, well, all right. Well, thank y'all for listening. Um, and if you want to talk to us, hashtag side note podcast, or you can tweet us at ASAMPLANE. Yeah, and we put all the side, we have a side note uh, YouTube channel. We also like post these on our Instagrams and things like that. So you can find, you can see us if you want on our Instagram talking right now. I was like, okay. I can't hear the music. Sorry, so I'm just like trying to figure out. It's probably over. Okay, we're okay, drunk. We're going to see y'all. Ow, I just oh. dropped this. Oh my God, I hit the mic. Okay. Oh, great well, lady falling. Love y'all. Ow, ow. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.